Hey, this is Brent Leary, and I guess this is the very first uh, conversation I'm having in 2020, one of these LinkedIn Live conversations. And so, first of all, Happy New Year. I hope everybody is doing okay, had a great holiday season, and is uh, off to a really cool 2020 start. I can say I'm off to a cool 2020 start because I'm sitting here talking with Sangram Vadre, and it's uh, always cool to talk with Sangram. So, hey, man, thanks for joining me. Brent, so good, man. I'm so so glad we we're going back and forth. And like, hey, we haven't really done it, and I see you popping with some incredible people. So I'm 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 having fun just being here. And happy New Year to you as well, man. I'm looking at the the Patagonia shirt you got on, <laughs> and I actually have the exact same one, but it was branded with Financial Force because they're the ones that like gave it to me. But it is the exact same one. I love that thing, man. Good it love. You know, that even that reminds me of this idea. I was talking to somebody before. Uh, it's, it's a guy named Jeff Henderson who wrote a book called Four, F-O-R. And uh, I had him on the Flip My Phone podcast, like literally on Monday. Uh, and he said something. He's like, look at Patagonia as an example. Companies that are doing something great or people follow, they actually either stand for something or against something. They don't, they're not lukewarm companies. They're not like, hey, we got the best service. Like, and then, yeah, <laughs> like nobody cares if you got the best. If we got the best product. <laughs> nobody cares if you got the best product. We got the best customers. What do you think? People have shitty customers now? <laughs> it's, it's not like, what do you stand for? And like Patagonia stood for environmental friendly way of actually creating clothing. And they stood for something. Tom Shoes stood for something. We stood for like going against leads and going against, you know, for accounts. And so we stood. So I think when you stand for something, um, that's when conversations happen. Well, I know you stand for ABM. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> that Terminus is all about ABM. Uh, you have written a couple of books on the subject of ABM. You got to flip my funnel po a podcast that's kind of focused on this stuff. So you're all about it. Now, with all that being said, there may be some folks out there who don't know who a what ABM is. So I think I can ask this of you. What's ABM? <laughs> well, that is, uh, it's like giving away the title of my last book or the second book, which is this, which ABM is B2B. Um, and so long story short, if people don't know what ABM, which is, stands for account-based marketing, if you are in B2B and if you are still waiting for somebody to find you, hopefully on Google or hopefully somewhere when they put the right terms in the search box, you are like losing money. You're like a leaky bucket right now. You're you're wasting time and, and all that stuff. If you are in B2B, you should know. Uh, and if you don't know, you need to spend time to figure out what is your total addressable market, your TAM look like. Uh, at least come up with those top 50 companies that you can serve the best. And now when you have the list of 50 companies, and if you ask your sales team, they will tell you because they have pipeline for it. But if you come up with those 50 accounts, and you then start creating marketing channels like putting advertising in front of them wherever they go or doing direct mail for them or, or doing engagement or writing content about those companies or reaching out to them in a way where they understand that you understand their problem, the challenges and the concerns. Then you actually close more of those 50 accounts because you're not creating content for everybody. And that's what account-based marketing is. It's, it's a way to do better marketing and sales, but only for the companies that you can serve the best. You've been at this for a while. I mean, this this is a subject that did 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 it come out around four or five years ago when it, the focus really started moving towards that? 
Yeah, I think it was in the late 90s or early 2000 when I think ITSMA coined the phrase uh, of account-based marketing, one of their articles. So credit where credit is due. Uh, but really, as you know, it's been really five years yeah. since it really started creating root. And that's why I wrote the first uh, book, which was called just account-based marketing uh, in 2015, 2016, where we're just trying to understand what this is. But man, in the five years, so much has changed. So much has changed. All right. So what are the big changes? What are what are the the most impactful changes that you've seen in five years when it comes to this stuff? So when we wrote the first book, we thought especially and I thought I, I just put it on me because it was a limited view of work. I just a better mousetrap. Um, as I just shared, if you know the 50 accounts, go after those 50 accounts. Why create content for everybody? Create content for if you're going after manufacturing companies, guess what? Create manufacturing content change your ebook to talk about manufacturing, create a landing page for manufacturing and take those 50 companies that you're going after to that landing page that is all about manufacturing. You will convert better. It just seems so obvious. And I was all about acquisition. That's where I was spending majority of my time, my talk, everything. And in the last four years, what I've seen is this big shift towards pipeline velocity and expansion campaigns. So what I mean by that is, if you have opportunities sitting in your pipeline today, they are probably the best accounts that you should be doing account-based marketing with because they have raised their hand and they said they're going to buy from you or your competitor. So you, they're already in the market. They're ready to buy. The acquisition, you don't know if those people are going to be ready to buy. They, they're great targets, but you don't know if they have the budget, authority, the time, all those things. But if they're in your pipeline, the salesperson has qualified them they're going to buy from you or your competitor. So it's time for you to really double in, especially the marketing team, to give them air cover and direct mail advertising, all those kind of things. So I felt like the shift has moved for marketers to not only focus on acquisition, but pipeline velocity, but even bigger. And I wrote about six stories of companies that we interviewed. One of the companies we interviewed, Brent, was uh, Thomson Reuters, which you know we know is a big company. I even got the legal team to approve this. They worked on expansion campaign. They only focused on 250 accounts for expansion, which means if you are a company that has more than one product, you're trying to upsell and cross-sell other products to the existing customer base. They started doing that using the accountless marketing principles, and their win rate was 95%. Mm, 95%. 95%. For a company like Thomson Reuters, like 95% win rate. So mm. we had the legal team to approve it before we put it in the book because nobody's going to believe me if I just write it. I need you to approve. So they approved it. And that just shows the power of it. So to me, the biggest change or shift has happened is it's not just acquisition and getting better deals in the pipe. It's really how to accelerate my deals in the pipeline. And also if you're more than one products, how do I sell more of my to the same customers I've already trusted? Which is why the title of the second book I said is like, it's just B2B. It's just better marketing sales across the customer journey. Yeah. So ABM is b2b that's basically <laughs> all right yeah. I even put a i even put a period at the end because i didn't want anybody to miss <laughs> it. No, this is I, I like i wish i could be more profound but no it is it is it so what's been the biggest uh let's you know challenge to folks in understanding where abm fits into kind of the traditional landscape of some of the other acronyms, you know, one of the yeah. main acronyms I'm thinking of is CRM. So yeah. there's, there's SFA, there's marketing automation, there's customer service, there's all sorts of things 
that have been traditionally CRM or CRM-ish. Uh, so where does ABM fit into that landscape? Yeah, that's a great question, Brent. And primarily because I think everything you know, I ran marketing at Pardot before I was with Salesforce. I was embedded in all of this thing. So, so I hear that. And I was part of the marketing automation flow. I was part of, I was, I was the one who was going out there talking about marketing automation 10 years ago uh, and saying, this is the greatest thing. And what is the biggest realization for me, why ABM is even bigger than any of these things and, and have why, why it has caught so much attention in the last five years is because you look at email marketing, you look at marketing automation, you look at CRM, you look at um, you, you look at predictive. These are all technologies that are supposed to help you do better. ABM is a strategy. Nobody, even Terminus, we can never say we got everything covered under the sun for ABM. We would never be able to say that because ABM is a strategy. It's like, all right, if your customers are in Boston right now that you need to go after, do a dinner for them over there. That is an ABM strategy as opposed to creating content which they would never see. Um, if your uh, folks are not on online digital and they are direct mail oriented folks, send them the direct mail if you're going after hospitals and stuff like that. That is ABM. So ABM is a strategy, depends on which type of segment you're going after. So I think one of the biggest challenges that people face is that I don't know where to start. I don't have a button to click. I need that. And people have been conditioned to like show me everything. And in this case, if anybody's doing ABM, if you ask people who have been doing it for a couple of years, real ABM like Snowflakes of the World or uh, Thomson Reuters uh, or, or Sixter or some of these companies, they will all tell you that they have to go and get in a room with marketing and sales sitting together, literally go through a flow and saying, here's what we're going to do, folks. And here's how we're going to go after this customer, not any customer, this customer. And that's how you win. Okay, so one of the things that I don't care what part of the business uh, you talk about, AI has become a, a really, it's it's pretty much a big ubiquitous. Uh, where does AI fit in and how does it impact what ABM does? Oh, it, it, it totally does, especially when you're trying to figure out the intent of these companies, right? So there's all these elements that you need to know. It's like, all right, I can serve this type of customer better. So help me find more of a similar set of customers. I think you can use a lot of AI and predictive and intent kind of information in there. Then I think on the back end, AI, for example, is, is a lot of it is like, well, how do I figure out what actually worked? And, and that's where we, we acquired a company called Bright Funnel two years ago, specifically to do that, to answer the question. A lot of our customers would say, this is awesome. Your Terminus is able to help us get in front of people immediately because of our digital advertising platform. But I don't know what works. I don't know which elements actually work. So we we kind of acquired Bright Funnel to help address some of that problem. Not all of it, but some of that. Here is your ABM dashboard. Here's what happened with the top 10 accounts. Not everything, but just those accounts that matter to you. And what's interesting about that, Brent, is that you go and talk to any salesperson today. It's the beginning of the quarter. Right now, people are like, you know, back in the office and I can see the energy everywhere. They know exactly the 10 accounts they need to close this month to finish the quarter or the month strong. And mm -hmm. if a marketer, instead of creating their own campaign framework, goes and asks, hey, Joe and Sally, tell me which of these accounts, which accounts do you want to close this month? Tell me what, you know, and they will tell you those accounts because they know that. They will say, okay, let me figure out what I can do from all the things I have in marketing, 
what can I do to give you air cover for those 10 accounts? You'll be best friends with your sales team. You'll make them so happy and they will win deals which gives you promotion. Man, this is good stuff. Sounds good to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the other things around this is uh, you mentioned kind of sales and how does ABM and this strategy and this methodology, how does this change or enhance the relationship that marketing has with sales folks? Oh man, I, I think one of the greatest things. So one of the things I wrote, literally I'll, I'll show you because it's kind of funny. Um, it's, I, I wrote like seven different truths for marketing and sales. And one of the first truths I put in there was this truth number one. And I put a screenshot of LinkedIn in that. What I wrote like truth number one is that the value of marketing is defined by sales. Right. Period. Yeah, and, <laughs> another period. <laughs> another period is like, yeah, like it, it took me ten years of therapy to realize that. So hopefully, people people can 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 avoid that much cost and pain that comes with it. But if you are in B two B, your job as a marketer is to either incrementally or exponentially grow sales. I don't care what form you do that, maybe through events, through branding, or whatever. But if your sales numbers are not going up and to the right, you're gonna be fired. Right. And that is the realization I had and I hope most markets have. So ABM is nothing but us. For example, here's the funniest thing. What is the title of the salespeople in most B2B companies? Sales rep. Or sales account executive. Account exec, right, right. So they get the account-based marketing. It's in their title. Marketers have been giving them leads. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see the disconnect there. So now when a marketer goes, hey, tell me which accounts, you're, they know exactly which accounts to go after and they can give them now leads in those accounts, they'll be all over it. Right. So I think account-based marketing, I've never seen a single company. I've, I've talked with thousands of companies in the last five years, helping them or, or just talking through them this whole process. I've seen not a single company successful, not a single without sales and marketing working as one team, not a single. So I, I feel like if people want to think about accomplished marketing or even get promoted and keep their job, you have to work with sales and you have to understand you exist to drive their business forward. All right. So you're, you're very active on social channels and in particular what you're doing here at, at LinkedIn. I mean, I know you do do some LinkedIn live stuff, but just, I guess it was last month you started, I mean, most people will be in December. They're starting to think about what to buy for Christmas, you know, where to go and that kind of stuff. And you started a now this sounds kind of old school, but it's yeah. really not. But it, you started a daily newsletter that's actually uh, kind of a new thing that LinkedIn is doing. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. And thanks for subscribing to it, too. So I, I have started to love writing. And over the last is I never thought I would write books. Like I started, well, what is just start a company? I want to just do marketing and ended up doing all these things. Uh, God has been really good to me. And what I've learned and what I've hated the most was like, when I asked people, where are you getting your leadership content? You know, we went from three co-founders to about 250 people in the last four years or five years. So there's a lot of growth and I would be hungry for that type of content all the time. And most people would tell, well, we get it from HBR sometimes, but you have to subscribe to it, or we get it from some people who they follow, but then they're talking about only that one topic. And I'm like, no, just general leadership, good content. And I just couldn't find a good place to do it. So I'm like, I'm just going to create my own. And <laughs> I didn't want it to be about Sangram. I wanted it to be truly a real problem, a real solution, a real conversation. So I created these fictitious characters 
Joey, who is a mentor, and Sally, who is an upcoming leader. And they meet up uh, at a coffee shop every morning before they go to work. And it's a conversation between two of two of them. Sometimes Sally's like, look, I'm going to do a presentation. I don't know what to do. And he tells her or refers her to a book or, you know, any good friend, any good mentor would do. Or sometimes Joey has a problem. And he's thinking, I don't know how to connect with millennials. And she's like, let me tell you about that. Right. <laughs> so conversation between two people that happens truly in everyday life. But instead of this boring statistical way of saying 87% people said, you know, do this. It's, it's just conversation. So I started a newsletter called Becoming Intentional, Becoming Intentional. So if you go to, to my feed, you will see it. And when you subscribe to it, it's that's the most interesting part. In the last one month, it's been over 5,000 people who have subscribed to it. Yeah. It will come to you as an email. So uh, you're right. It's an old school coming back. And I'm writing a one-minute newsletter called Becoming Intentional. What's really cool about that is uh, it seems to be taking full advantage of what LinkedIn provides. And and when I started doing videos, uh, you know, I would try to, well, I would post them if you do Facebook Live or I post them over YouTube. Yeah, and I get a certain amount of play. But when I started posting stuff on LinkedIn, which has that built-in audience of business people, people gravitated towards it. And it sounds like, you know, you're leveraging LinkedIn, you know, the power of LinkedIn to through this old school thing of newsletters. And I mean, I don't, I don't know pretty much anywhere where somebody could start a newsletter and get 5,000 subscribers, 5,500 subscribers kind of organically. Uh, but it seems like, uh, you know, as a marketer, it seems like marketing and LinkedIn are, are really starting to hit their stride. Is yes. are you finding that as well? Or isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think the other thing I'm learning about this is that, so I'm not on Snapchat, I'm not on Instagram, I'm hardly on Twitter, I'm not on Facebook. I just have, from the last couple of years, I've just spent like, you know, every day I would just write something or share something and move on uh, with my day on LinkedIn. And what has happened is like, when you focus on one thing, it actually starts, you can actually get better and better at it. And it's it's interesting that this has given me more access, more speaking, more voice, more, um, information and and able to get in front of more people than anything else I've ever done through any amount of money that I've ever paid. So this is all organic to you, say I think. So to your point, I think LinkedIn has truly become a place for where professionals can have really great learning experiences with each other. Now I think the difference that I'm hoping to bring to the platform is the voice, the tone, as opposed to being like, here's what Sangram says, uh, or here's <laughs> Hashtag Sangram, like, no, I, I want this to be like, you know, Joey and Sally, a regular two folks who are just having, a, who are trying to be the best they can and they want to lead professionally, they want to grow personally, they want to live life fully. I want to create something and they want to be intentional about their life. And hopefully through that, I can bring tons of experiences and conversations from outside world and share that through their voice. So we'll see where that goes. Well, it seems like, LinkedIn and ABM, maybe they, these things are coming along at the same time to help B2B focused sales and marketing folks take advantage of, you know, something maybe two or three years ago, it wouldn't even have been a thought, but now it seems like they're maybe these kind of this methodology in this platform are beginning to kind of feed off of each other and help connect in a way that you couldn't have done it a couple of years ago. Uh, you can't like I can't even imagine and I, f I still get people saying oh wow this is awesome you have so many this followers and stuff I don't even know where to start I'm like 
ask a question. <laughs> you know, do you have questions? Because I do. Just ask a question. I think LinkedIn is an incredible community of people. I mean, hats off to everybody on LinkedIn. I feel like people are openly sharing, openly giving, openly. I, I think it's a really interesting way that I've not seen on any other platform in a long time. So. Uh, if somebody's struggling right now, like, I don't even know. I just watch Brent doing amazing things. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to start there. You can just start by asking a question or sharing an experience. And if you do it consistently enough, you'll learn about, about yourself. You will connect with the right kind of people and you'll enjoy the process. Yeah, I, I think LinkedIn has a chance to be like the Netflix of business content, you know. And yeah, that's a good yeah, We'll see. They, they got some things they need to do to, to really see that happen, but they have a potential for doing that. But anyway, uh, this has been really good, man. And we, you got to do a little plug on where people can, you know, you talked about the, the newsletter, but where else can people connect with you and get some of the content and also learn more about, you know, Terminus because we barely even talked about Terminus. I mean, I never talk about it. It's the funniest thing. And then people are like, you know, my sales be like, why don't you promote Terminus? I'm like, hey, look, I do a good job of helping people grow. They will find, find where we are. Like we got 249 people selling. Um, uh, so like, yeah, of course you can look at Terminus at Terminus.com. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun what we do. I'll, I'll say if you're in a market to figure out what platform to use to do ABM, go to B2Crowd actually, and look at the grid. Actually, it's a better way to understand. So don't take my word, look at B2Crowd or something. Um, if you want to connect with me, I post something, um, try to post every other day on LinkedIn, something that I learned, I've grown from like three co-founders to about 250 people. There's so many learnings in the last five years and I continue to do. So, so find me on LinkedIn um, and hopefully you get a chance to check out the Becoming Intentional newsletter something I'm uh, just trying to have conversations in a much uh, fun way than a dry way that people put out there. Don't forget flip my funnel. I mean, come on. Man. Oh yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I do a podcast called flip my funnel, which is also community driven. Like I literally do only Monday interviews, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are run by the community. So it's a fantastic place to connect and get to know a whole bunch of things on uh, flip my funnel podcast. I got to send a shout out to Deepak Rai. Uh, he says, thanks for doing what you do regularly. Sangram Vadre, good to hear you. That's what he says. That's hey, thank you so much, Deepak. I appreciate that, man. I, it's always good to hear from you. So I, I can second that, uh, what Deepak said. So, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking some time out and uh, talking about it. And, and where can people get the book? You get, get the title, get the give them a little show of the book again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. ABM is B2B. It's on Amazon. I think there are 90 plus reviews on the book. So I, I, hopefully it's good. It's done really, really well. Then my last book. Uh, so I feel good. And and all the proceeds from the book go to um, one, one of my favorite charity called New Story that are building houses, like 3D houses uh, wow. in, in places that people would not even imagine having a home. So I'm really excited about that. So anything that, if anybody buys it, likes it, reviews it, all proceeds goes to the story. Man, that's awesome. Uh, that that's really. I'm glad that we got that in there because one of the things that for for I've been looking at over the last year or so when it comes to particularly when it comes to uh, vendors in the industry. And me and Paul Greenberg talk about this a lot on the CRM player stuff. It's around uh, doing good. Yes. As as a part of the business strategy, and and it's good to see. Not only are you writing about things that are important from a business perspective, but you're tying it together for things that mean more than just business. So I think that's really cool, man. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I mean, that's the least we could do, man. Otherwise, we are just a talking heads uh, trying <laughs> to make money. <laughs> hey, it's been a pleasure, and we definitely will be doing this sooner rather than later if you're up for it. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. I love it. And thank you again for uh, sharing about Becoming Intentional as well. It's a new project, so I'm excited to see where it goes.